Some people work in nine to five jobs. I am one of the lucky ones. Somehow I landed in the dream job. Welcome to Tales of a Luxury Yacht Chef. Hi, I'm Lisa Mead, and for the past 27 years, I've been working on luxury super yachts in the Caribbean, the Mediterranean, and my home turf of Australia. I've cooked for royalty, heads of state, celebrities, and all walks of life. I'm going to be talking to crew, past charter guests, and loads of people that are connected to the global yachting community. We're going to hear amazing fun stories and also lots of useful information and tips. So welcome aboard. Today's guest, Jade Const, has had quite the journey with a few bumps along the road. I'm keen to hear about her life story and how she navigated the bumps. Hello, Jade. How are you? Hi, Lisa. I'm well. Good to chat with you. Yeah, I'm really excited. Where are you at the moment? Um, I'm just in Grenada, uh, in Port Lua Marina, just outside of St. George's. Yeah, how long have you been there? Have you just arrived at like a few weeks ago or been there for a bit? Yeah, just for a week uh i joined uh lagoon 620 called mahasattva um and uh yeah we're headed out tomorrow to uh, do the grenadines um with a few trips and then back up to the u.s virgin islands british virgin islands for the charter season that sounds amazing i have just a quick question everyone that i've um had as a guest has come across seahorses um around that marina and i i have all my life i've wanted to see one in the wild have you had any experiences around Grenada where you've seen seahorses? Oh, yes, right off the dock. Exactly. Um, that, it's a thing that tells you how kind of clean the marina is. I saw this one fairly large orange seahorse just, just on the off the big cement dock <sighs> right there at the surface. It's pretty, it's pretty spectacular to see. I've seen them diving a couple of times, but to see them right off the dock is, is pretty, pretty cool. I am so jealous. I, I, you know, I've, for years I've searched and not once have I ever seen one except when I was in Tasmania here in Australia and I actually went to a seahorse, like, farm, water farm thing where, you know, they're behind glass. That's as close as I've gotten. So um, my mission later this year is to to finally get to see them at some point. But they're beautiful. Yeah. I love them. Yeah, it can be. someone can be pointing directly at one underwater and you're kind of like, I don't see anything. It's just a blade of grass. <laughs> And they're like, oh, no, there's something on that blade of grass. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Maybe I need to be a bit more vigilant with my searching and looking. Now, you um, come from a part of the world that's probably in my top five countries that I've visited, which is Canada, a stunning, stunning country. What part of Canada are you from? Um, so I'm from the West Coast. I was born and raised in Vancouver, um, BC. And then, yeah, and then I've kind of I've lived in a few places, but mostly off of, on Vancouver Island, um, oh. which is home base. Home. My parents have um, a little hobby farm there. So, uh, yeah, that's that's home base. And it's a beautiful, beautiful temperate rainforest. What, what part a- of um did you visit? Oh, we went all I did a cycling trip. So we sort of were all over the place. We visited, you, you, you're going to get me in trouble here with my memory, but I mean, we did, uh, we went to a few of the islands around Vancouver. We also went to Banff and Whistler, of course, and uh, did the train trip through the Rockies and Lake, is it Lake Louise? It's that beautiful blue lake. Yeah. Yeah. That's up there in the Rockies. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And probably a whole bunch of other places. It was it was a few years ago, so I'm a bit hazy on, on the actual areas that we visited. But everything was stunning, food was amazing, people were lovely. I actually had uh, 
a friend that lives in Vancouver that uh, was a stewardess on a couple of the boats that I've worked on. So it was just amazing catching up with her and stayed with her for a bit. And yeah, it was just, I'd go back tomorrow. I mean, it truly is a beautiful, beautiful country. Oh yeah. I love it in the summer months. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Which is luckily when we were there. So you grew up in on Vancouver Island where you moved around a bit. What what would be some of your, do you have any lovely childhood memories that stand out? Um, yeah. So like I grew up in, in the city and then moved out after college. But, uh, you know, some of my best memories, especially with families, my dad, um, my dad and I would cook together a lot. I'm kind of one of the last of my generation whose parents kind of got them involved in the kitchen and taught them how to cook some of the basics. So. I learned how to make a bechamel sauce, you know, early, early on and was never really afraid of the kitchen because I had so many great experiences cooking with my parents. And then um, my dad's a geologist. So he would he would be working on out at mining camps most of the year. Um, and so in the summer months, mom and I would get in our little station wagon and sometimes bring my cousins and we would just go road tripping through beautiful British Columbia um, all the way up through all the different kind of temperate regions in the in the area and go visit family and stuff like that. So those are some of my my best memories is just road tripping through that part of the world. Beautiful. That sounds so incredible. And at early age, you were unfortunately diagnosed with cystic fibrosis. Can you explain what that condition is? Yeah. So um, when I was diagnosed at 14 months, um, they hadn't quite identified kind of the genetic the genetic marker for it because it is a genetic disease um and what it does is it it creates kind of it creates an imbalance of salt that passes through the cell walls um and that creates a thick mucus and kind of a bile-like thing in my major organs um so it clogs up my lungs um my pancreas has never really worked um my liver is also you know not as functional as it should be um and it just makes it makes kind of eating and breathing difficult, um, wow. but uh, I'm quite healthy. Um, even though when I was diagnosed, they said I wouldn't live past 11, um, pushing 40 <laughs> and still <laughs> going. Um, and there's, there's lots, there's a new drug on the market, which is really exciting. Um, that has ex- extended life expectancy by like 15 years. Um, so there's, you know, there's, there's lots of hope when, when I was diagnosed, it was quite a, a scary, a scary kind of thing. But oh, um, God, yeah, especially and also for your parents, of course, as well. For sure, for yeah. sure, yeah. But uh, they that never ha- really let me sit on my laurels and uh, and just you know resign to oh this is it this is this is my life. They're always like, well, you got a short time on this planet, do something with it. That is so inspiring. How how did you adapt your life to it? I had to, for the first little while, the, they did a kind of a therapy that, that loosened the mucus in my lungs. So the mucus in my lungs is about 60% thicker than normal persons. Um, and it doesn't come out very easily. Um, it's also makes it a breeding ground for bacteria that normal people just breathe in and out. Um, so there was this kind of, you know, physiotherapy that I had to do that my parents would do, which was kind of like a, a pounding on your chest. Um, and they've since kind of changed um, ch- changed what what is kind of necessary, like the medical fields kind of evolved from there. But mm. that was really difficult in trying to travel, go to girl guide camp and that I had to go with somebody who knew how to do this sort of therapy on me. Right. Um, 
as it's evolved, I've gotten more and more independence with just being able to do my own therapy with this little kind of breathing apparatus. Um, and ironically, the I learned how to surf um, when I was in my 20s, and they were doing some research at the time with Australians with cystic fibrosis huh. who surfed, those who didn't, um, and found out that those who surfed with my condition had much better lung function, less chance of infection, um, were overall a lot healthier. Um, and they found it's the salt water, it's the salt air that helps clear my lungs. How amazing is that? Yeah. Wow. So I am girl <laughs> at art. Wow. Well, and hats off to you for, for learning to surf too. I mean, that, that that's such a, a cool thing. You know, I, I just as a side note, this is a slightly embarrassing from my end when uh, obviously Australia is a popular place for surfing and there's an area called Byron Bay that I used to go to with my parents and my sister for holidays. And, um, you know, I was a, a young teen at the time and wanting to, you know, meet boys and I'd bought this surfboard that had been had a shark bite on it. So it was 20 bucks and it had just, you know, um, tape over <laughs> where the shark had bitten into it. So I, I'd paddle out to where I could see guys waiting for waves and in the hope that I could pick some of them up. <laughs> and I had no clue how to surf. And so they'd all be getting ready to catch waves. And, of course, I would be just lying on the board and they'd say, are you going to get this wave? I'm like, no, no, I wait for a bigger one. <laughs> So it it was uh, a little a little effective. I did get a few dates, but uh, yeah, it was a bit sad. <laughs> I wish I had learned how to surf. I could, I could sort of do a little bit of standing up on a longboard, but that's as far as it went. Yeah, no, I, I learned to surf on the west coast of, of Vancouver Island, which is cold. You're in a five mil wetsuit even oh in the summer months. So, Jeez. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, after, after finishing high school, what did you do? Um, so I studied, I studied photography in college um, and then ended up actually going down to Mexico to study, um, do some underwater photography for a dive shop um, wow. down there. So that was, um, yeah, that was kind of my first real, real introduction to kind of living in the tropics. And I loved it so much. Um, and then I did a few, uh, again, went back to uh, this place called Tofino on the West coast of Vancouver Island, where it's a big, it's a big surfing destination. Um, and so just, I, I learned that if I was willing to, to travel and live out of a backpack and staff accommodations that I could do hospitality and I could see gorgeous places, um, see, you know, live in places that I would normally never be able to afford to live in. So, um, so I kind of, I kind of did that until I found myself, um, I found myself working for Windjammer Barefoot Cruises out of St. Martin. Just stepping back to the underwater photography, did, did you end up doing any jobs with that or was that more just of a hobby type thing? Yeah, I did a, a little bit in Mexico where we were taking underwater shots of, of the divers and the tourists and stuff. We were taking on dive trips and just putting it together a CD for them back then. So I, I love photography. I love the medium. I just found that, you know, it was, it was something I did more as a hobby because actually having to kind of buckle down and make a business out of it, it kept me too tied to one place. <laughs> and right. I am a wanderer. You, you're so, a bit of a gypsy. Um, yeah. So, I, you know, I still do it occasionally. I still love, love photography and, and do some of my own food photos sometimes and but uh, yeah, it's definitely still still a hobby. I don't I don't keep it up professionally. 
So you mentioned that you you get this job in St. Martin on a windjammer. What was the job that you you got on board? So I was the activities mate, uh, which meant that I was in charge of um, uh, planning the excursions, um, but then also doing all the games and things at night. Uh, That would have been a great starting job. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, you learn how to herd cats. We had about a hundred <laughs> guests. I lost my voice a lot yelling over, <laughs> yelling over Tom. Uh, but we did things like crab races and you know and and um, you know dress up nights and stuff. So it was it was quite a lot of fun uh, to do did, that. And, and unfortunately, yeah. yeah sorry, ahead. I was just going to say, did you uh, have any prior sailing experience before you joined the boat, or was that? more of a kind of learn as you go once you join the boat? Yeah, I mean, there wasn't too much sailing skills necessary for that boat. Um, I did have a little bit of sailing experience as a kid. My aunt um, has a, had a 38-foot junk rig schooner that she lived on wow. um, on the West Coast. She married a fisherman um, out of Seattle um, who runs a 40-foot single-piston diesel-engined wooden gaff rigged tuna fishing boat holy cow Um, and so that's actually was my first real offshore trip was with him i went fishing um three and a half weeks at sea and i absolutely loved it there's nothing like just being out in the big blue uh not a speck of land anywhere for weeks on end and i just found my groove that is so cool how did you gain cooking experience um, well, after after Windjammer, um, unfortunately, I uh, went belly up. I returned home, and I was seeing a boy who was a a guy who was a, a he was a server. He was a fine dining server, and I was working re- at some retail job. And I thought, well, let's try to you know work up the same shifts. And he had some friends who worked up in Jasper, actually, up in the Rocky Mountains. Uh-huh. There, and uh, friends kind of took me under their wing and taught me a lot. Um, and I kind of just went from there and did a bunch of different restaurants went back to Tofino at one point and and worked for some really high-end hotels and resorts that really you know really school of hard knocks honed yeah. <laughs> my skills yeah and then you know after some heartbreak I kind of just took just took uh took the cooking experience and the sailing experience at that point I'd actually bought my aunt's 38 foot junk rig schooner so I was living on that um, was that difficult? Were you because you'd have to maintain things on board, like mechanically, just you know, make sure things were running. Was it tricky learning all all those sides of of living on board a boat? It it was again. It was kind of just learning from friends and and you know other people in the community. Like I remember trading a case of beer for lessons on how to um, how to do an oil change. Um, <laughs> so you know, it was really. You know, it was really an eye opener, but it was also really, really empowering um, to to manage my own my own vessel and and learn how to kind of live aboard, and and that just suited me really, really well. Oh wow! So moving ahead, you you get your first job on board a yacht as a chef. What what was the boat, and do you have any recall on your first charter? Yeah. So the first. Um, yeah, the first yacht I was chef on was called Campai. Uh, she was a 72-foot Ron Holland, um, did the Caribbean and New England. Um, and so my first charter was out of the Grenadines. It was a Christmas charter. But the family had had a, a tragedy the Christmas before, so they didn't want anything to do with Christmas. Um. Um, 
pretend we didn't even mention it. We just kind of pretended like it never it was happened. A, a regular day. Yeah, just yeah. a regular day. And they were all very like they were vegetarian and gluten free. And then we're in the Tobago Keys for Christmas, or I think it was the day before Christmas. And the the I guess the son-in-law, it was his birthday the day after Christmas, and he wanted steaks and Caesar salad. And I didn't have any of that stuff on board. <laughs> oh no. And you're in the Grenadines. <laughs> yes. Oh. <laughs> Which has you hard to find certain things. Oh yes. Um, yes. Yeah. So I ran into Union Island and actually managed to get some steaks and some anchovies to actually make some Caesar dressing. So I, I you know, always Yeah, you know, Jade, I always say uh yacht chefs are amazing at adapting to situations, you know, if, if we were competing in any of those cooking shows where you've got secret or hidden ingredients or you have to find them, I think we'd all win just because, just like you said, you know, you somehow you got what you needed even though it was virtually impossible. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's that's always kind of the, the claim to fame as we can, you know, we can make uh, the, the comment, the, the phrase goes, we can make chicken salad out of chicken poop. Um <laughs> Which is basically like whatever, whatever we've got in the galley, we can kind of put it, put it together. And yeah, it comes just from, you know, a lot of trial and error and and situations like that, where you just can't get something. So you got to kind of put something together to make it sort of kind of what they're looking for. (laughs) Exactly. You mentioned that you were in the Grenadines. Um, You've obviously been chartering for a while. What, what have been some of your favorite destinations? Uh, the Grenadines, for sure, um, are some of my absolute favorite places in the world. Um, just so stunning. And there's so many turtles. I annoy, I annoy the captain by just yelling turtle every two <laughs> minutes. Um, yeah. And then uh, Guadalupe, I also skippered a boat out of Guadalupe for a year, which was was fantastic. The Saints um, is also another one of my favorite I little places. I love that area. It's so beautiful and so undiscovered. I mean, so many people just don't even know it exists. Yeah, it's like St. Bart's, you know, 40 years ago. It's it's quaint and French and, you yes. know, just kind of untouched and you can walk one of the end of it to the other. And, um, yeah, it's it's just one of my uh, it's one of my my favorite favorite little places to go. I did and- charter out of Turkey, which was fun, but uh, I, I miss I miss the reefs. <laughs> yeah. Now you you mentioned Guadeloupe and the Ile de Sens. You actually speak French, so when you're in those areas, do you like to try and just use French? Yeah, I I try my best. I can be uh, rusty at times, but you know, once you get back into kind of the immersion of the of the area, it quickly it quickly comes back to you. Most of the uh, Guadeloupe people just kind of make fun of my accent because it's kind of a Canadian <laughs> French accent. <laughs> <laughs> at um, least at least you're attempting the, the, the language mine mine is terrible I, I i spent probably five seasons in the south of france and it basically my conversation revolves around ordering food and and that's about it <laughs> yeah pretty much i can keep myself out of trouble <laughs> yeah so you've been chartering for a while at this point now uh, for people out there, what would be some of the pluses and minuses of being a yacht chef, do you think, for you? I, I don't have any, too many minuses, Lisa. It's a pretty charmed life out here. Um, you get to kind of cruise the world on these beautiful yachts and, you know, get to have this amazing experience that not a lot of people get to have. You know, the view out the galley 
is usually spectacular, whether it's an up galley or a down galley. And um, yeah, it, I would say the hardest part is just the long hours, you know, your long yes. days on your feet. Um, you know, you break, you know, a day off is far on the horizon. Um, <laughs> and and that you, can get- you, you can't pull a sick day because you're at work, you live there. <laughs> you can't you yeah. can't say, oh, you know, I don't, I don't really feel like going to work today because, you know, I just don't. I'll just call in and be sick because you can't because you're actually sleeping on the boat that you're working on. Yeah, and you're always, especially when you're in full full charter swing, you're always, you're always on and, you know, in front of guests and stuff. So it's, you know, it's hard to have a bad day when it's, they've only got seven days on the boat and they want a trip of a lifetime. So, you know, yes. that, that part of it does get tiring and, you know, it, it makes for those spa days at the end of a, uh, <laughs> a long charter <laughs> show. Those very much, very oh, much yes. needed. Yeah, I think the the spa industry really appreciate yacht chefs because I know many of us are indulging in our pet manicures, pedicures, massage, facial. I know I've I've got my good friend Odilla that I I go to. She's it's like a standing appointment to uh, to be fixed back together again, ready for the next charter. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we spend so much of our our time and energy taking care of other people, which is, you know, for, for me, it's second nature. I love, you know, I, I love caring for other people, but you know, at the end of the day, you need some self-care as well. So yeah. that's where that's a massage and a lounge by the pool is, oh, is, is an it's the best it's, it's heaven on earth. Now we've all had situations where a, a dish that we've made hasn't quite worked out the way we'd hoped have you ever had that happen and did, how were you able to fix it? Oh, yeah. I've had plenty of things, you know, you, you spill you spill half your blender full of soup. Um, <laughs> stuff gets burnt. I mean, there's, there's so many instances of those. I can't even, I can't even think of one. But I, I do remember just being so embarrassed by the, um, the owner was on board with his teenage sons and they just wanted, you know, real simple hot dogs. And the buns I had bought... Um, had molded and so I'm like okay I wasn't quite confident in my bread baking but I'm like okay I gotta do this I gotta make some buns and they failed miserably they flopped and oh. as gracious as the owner was and they 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 love me to this day but they were kind of really disappointed and and the, oh. the joke was, I don't know if, if I can't learn how to make bread I might get fired so I taught myself bread um, I just get two weeks off in between the owner trip and the next charter. And I just put my head down and, and figured it out. And yeah, so now it's at least, you know, I, I still like to, you know, buy pre-made buns sometimes because it's a lot of work on charter, but it is. I always have that. So I can, I can make it in a pinch. Exactly. Now in our industry, um, we have these charter shows uh, yearly sort of in different parts of the Caribbean and the Mediterranean where all the crewed yachts get together and brokers from all over the world come and check out the crew and the boat so that when they actually book these charters, they can confidently say, yes, they're, you know, great, great boat, great crew. But they also have culinary competitions attached to these shows of which you have entered quite a few and one. Can you give us a, a sort of a rundown on one of the dishes that you did that you won? Um, yeah, so Grenada actually had a couple of um, boat shows um, just pre-COVID, and I did one of those, and we had caught some lionfish down here, um, which are an invasive species, and they taste fabulous. They're like snapper, 
Um, and so I did a lightly breaded, um, a lightly breaded lionfish um, with some edamame puree. And then we had to use the, the jelly. So Grenada makes these local nutmeg jellies and, and pepper jellies. Mm. And so we had to use the dish. And so I glazed, I glazed some pumpkin in some nutmeg jelly. And then I did a bit of spherification um, around yogurt that was kind of that I put some pepper jelly in. And that was just this, it was a beautiful dish, but had some local flavors in it. And I used the local long beans and fried up some basil um, leaves. So they were nice and translucent and crisp. And um, I had lots of fun plating it on this black slate um, that I had. So that was, that was, a, that was definitely a fun dish. And that, and that won the competition that year. That sounds incredible. And I love that you've used local ingredients in, in your dish and obviously the, the fish that's a menace in the sea as well. I mean, no wonder you won. That just sounds, my mouth's watering as you're telling me this. I'm thinking, oh, I, I could have that right now, although it is morning here. So maybe I wait till lunchtime. <laughs> yeah, no, lionfish is delicious. I, you know, eat it whenever you can. So today's curry's fried mm. as it is tasty. Now, you and I, uh, we did, uh, I have a TV show that was airing for a period of seven years, um, and I very luckily got to have you come on and um, do a cooking segment on the boat Enigma that I was on at the moment. So we used the galley for filming. Um, what, what do you remember from that experience? Oh, yeah, that was that was a great experience. It was it was interesting doing doing a cooking show because, of course, you can't show the entire process in a small segment. Um, so that was that was the interesting part. I was like, you know, doing my dish and I'm like, oh, OK, we're putting that down now. And then we're just going <laughs> to do this over here. I'm like, but I haven't finished cooking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it, it's sort of a, a condensed version of what you want to do. Um, I thought that what I really loved about that we I, I did it over a few days and it what was really nice was that you know I was lucky enough to get a selection of amazing chefs like yourself in and it was just so cool seeing what everybody was doing and um, some of the chefs sort of hung around to watch what the others were doing and it was just a nice environment um, it was it was really good fun I have great memories of that yeah that was that was a great that was a great time and it was really neat to see, like, to see that everybody has, like, very different specialties or very different kind of approaches to food. Um, and I know some of my friends were, were also on your show that day. And, and it was, it's great to have the support. I mean, I don't know anywhere else in the world besides kind of the USVI, BBI circuit, um, where chefs are so supportive of each other and, and not super competitive or, you know, Absolutely. we're all, we're all really, on on helping each other out and but also being each other's cheerleaders and yes. that was I mean that was the best the best ex part of that of that experience was really that, just all you know, the support yeah absolutely um, I, I bring this up quite often but you know the um, we we have a closed Facebook page um, it's our little kind of private community of of yacht chefs that um, Chef Mel put together quite a few years ago which is was just is the best thing ever if you're needing an ingredient that you've run out of and you're at a certain anchorage you can post and hopefully someone nearby can give something to you or you're having a rough day you can vent and it's just a safe space which has been fantastic yeah that that group definitely has you know it just we really feel like we're all 
you know, we're all in the same boat. <laughs> Quite literally, <laughs> so we all are separate employers and, you know, all on our private boats with our own rhythms. But, you know, we're definitely, you know, in there to, to support each other. Absolutely. You know, you're new to an area. You, you post on there like where's the best shopping they're like oh we'll come pick you up we'll go provisioning together and then you get the lay of the land from someone who's been doing it for years it's great exactly exactly now, we're obviously talking about food um what what type of cuisine are you enjoying working with at the moment i do love asian food um growing up in vancouver it was very kind of asian centric so you know asian is always just kind of kind of my go-to um, I love doing sushi. I've done a couple of, I've taught a couple of sushi workshops just to kind of get everybody else as enthused as I am and nice. in making better. Cause it's, it's not, it doesn't have to be that complicated and, and it always presents really well. It always just looks fabulous on the table and everyone's, you know, really impressed, but it's, it's a, you know, it's quite simple. It's just some fish and rice and seaweed, um, <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's definitely one of my favorites. If you ask me what I, what I would couldn't live without on a deserted island it's it's fish rice and a bit of soy based sauce and i'd be fine oh i hear you on that that sounds amazing for sure you're going back to your sushi what's what's one of your standout um sushi rolls that you do that's a little bit different um so for people who don't actually like you know raw fish in their rolls i do uh one where i blanch some asparagus and then put it inside with some cream cheese and Ooh. so it's a rice out roll and then you roll the outside so it does have a seaweed in the inside but then on the outside you roll prosciutto around it wow and you've got the asparagus kind of tops that stick out the top so that's kind of a fun little like fish fish free fish free sushi roll that's a really good idea did did, was is this an original jade recipe i can't take credit (laughs) one of the resorts (laughs) i worked at um that was one of the chefs um that was one of his his kind of go-tos for when, you know, we had people who didn't like like fresh seafood. We we used to do sushi, a big sushi platter whenever we had new guests arrive, which was every three, four days. So it was we were I was, you know, putting out sushi for 50 people on a regular. So this was that, one of the this was one of the roles. Yeah, but that's a that's a lot of work. I mean, yes, you you know, you're saying that the, the ingredients are fairly simple, but you I mean, sushi can be very, very creative and artistic. So, you know, and and cranking out loads of sushi rolls takes time. Yeah, it is. It is a labor of of love. But I love seeing like I love seeing other chefs kind of get creative with it and take it to a, you know a different level or or do some different flavor combination with it. That's always the kind of fun thing. Like everyone can kind of take it and own it and and, and make it their own. Exactly. That's exactly right. So um, are there any chefs that inspire you, whether they're yacht chefs or land-based chefs in your history of, of cooking? Um, well, you inspire me every day, Lisa. Oh, Jade, you have <laughs> just made my thank you. <laughs> That's very sweet. No, that. Just, um, yeah, just, you know, your tenacity, just, uh, you know, inventing yourself all every, <laughs> every day, all your artwork and and all these things, it's it has been inspiration. But um, I do have one um, kind of rock star chef that I that I follow and that I have been kind of enamored with, and his name's Grant Ackett's. Um, and he runs. Uh, he's famous for kind of his molecular gastronomy. Yeah. Um, the the godfather of it, and has this restaurant, this three Michelin star restaurant in Chicago, called Alinea or Alinea. Again, I never know how to pronounce it. 
but it's kind of one of those 24 courses, $1,500 later, and you're not quite what you ate was food. Um, (laughs) Yes, a little bit of dusting of air. Yeah, exactly. But he always kind of, he's so creative at kind of changing what your expectations are for what a food experience can be, Um, you know, whether it's through sight and smell or, um, you know, or just tricks. But the thing that really inspires me about him is he got um, tongue cancer um, and lost his sense of taste. Wow. Um, And still managed to run his restaurant and keep his Michelin star um, just on pure memory. Um, and I had a few surgeries when I was a child in my sinuses. And so I have very little sense of smell. Um, so if he can do it, I can cook. <laughs> that, that is amazing. Going back to the molecular side of things, have you, have you dabbled with that in any of your uh, dishes that you present? Um, yeah, you can do little kind of spherification or pearls. Um, it is really tricky to do some of that molecular astronomy in um, on a boat because a lot of the weights and measurements of the specific the specific chemicals are it's it's very like it's down to the point fifth of a gram. Yeah, um, which you know on a boat you can't really measure to that. No, <laughs> and also you're rocking and rolling all over the place, so it's not like a flat surface really. Yeah, so it's it's something that I. I'd love to play with more, just haven't really had the opportunity just because of the the environment. Yeah, exactly. Um, when you're not uh, in the galley, you're not on the boat, what, what do you like to do for fun? Um, well, I have a quiver of mermaid tails um, and I love to put those on and go... <laughs> And go di- and go snorkeling. I don't take it diving. It's a bit of a safety risk, but um, I definitely <laughs> love to go out my tail and, and go find some fish, go be eye level with the fish. Do you believe there are mermaids out there in the ocean? Oh, there's got to be. <laughs> we haven't explored enough of the ocean. We've explored like more of our solar system than we have of the ocean. But yeah, there's it's it's a it's a it's a wonderful dream to have to think that you know you you could be half human half fish and just and just live under there under the sea i think when i was a kid that was like a dream to be a mermaid and yeah to be able to breathe underwater and 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 above i i'm 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 going to say that i believe there are mermaids out there in the ocean somewhere as well oh for sure yeah. <laughs> now you you mentioned scuba diving. You're obviously a great scuba diver, and you've you've done quite a bit of that with with your work. Are there any standout dives that you've done that just blew your mind? Dominica is one of my favorite places to dive. Um, they've got this like 800 foot wall. Um, you're not going down to 800 feet, but it's just this this whole drop off. Um, and it's just like these apartment buildings of of reef. Wow! <laughs> all the fish themselves in, and and then to you know you go along this wall dive at like about a hundred feet or so, and then you know out out on the other side, on the opposite side of the wall, is just the big the big blue. So you kind of keep one eye on the reef and one eye on the blue to just see what bigger creatures are coming by to check out the <laughs> reef. That sounds amazing. Have you done any cave diving? Uh, I haven't. I have little grottos and stuff, but yeah, no, no caves. I've been in some big caves in Vietnam, which were really interesting, but uh, yeah, not diving. You're speaking of Vietnam and I might be wrong where this happened, but did you hear the story about the kids that got caught in a cave and they've actually created a, 
I think there's the movies on Netflix now was um, filmed, I believe, by Steven Spielberg. But um, basically, I think it was an Australian doctor of some sort who was also a specialist diver came up with the idea of um, slightly sedating these young kids so that they could get them out because the water was rising in the caves and they had they were going to die in there if they didn't get them out. But they could also die getting them out, you know, by scuba diving. Did, did you ever hear about that story? Yeah, I, I did. I think, I think me and the captain were talking about that the other day, but it's pretty wild. It was because they, you know, the children would have panicked had you had to put scuba gear on them and, yes. you know, brocade. So it was mostly just to kind of, you know, keep everybody calm, um, which is kind of a, you know, it, it seems like a crazy way to do it. But, hey, it worked. They, and, they yeah. saved every kid. It was amazing. Yeah, no, that that was that was quite incredible. Yeah, cave diving makes me a little bit nervous. I'm more about the wild, like the the wildlife and the you know the sea life kind of aspect of it. So unless there's something really you know funky fish to see down there, I'm okay. (laughs) Now, are there any you've you know obviously done quite a bit of traveling? Are there any places in the world that you would like to visit that you haven't had a chance to get to yet? Yeah, it's. It's a bit of a toss up. I was thinking about this. It's it's a bit of a toss toss up between South Africa and Japan. Ah, um, I've got so you many do friends. Both. Yeah, yeah. So many friends who are South African that I just I'd love to go, but I'd want to go with them and meet their families and um, you know and go on safari with them rather than you know taking a taking a tourist tourist trip. So that one's got to have a you know the timing's got to be right for that one, and then. Um, Japan, just because I, I learned how to do origami when I was really young and still still do it. It's one of my little kind of fidget spinners is folding little things and everything about the Japanese culture, just how just precise and minimalist and, and delicate and just all that attention to detail just really enamors me. So, yeah, one of those or two, both both those in my life. Definitely, definitely, yeah, absolutely, do both. You, you, you can't go wrong. I've, I've been lucky enough to visit both, and they are both incredible places. Uh, good choices, definitely. For people that are wanting to get into the yacht chef industry, do you have any advice? Oh gosh, that's that's a tough one. I guess it's it's really kind of specific to each you know situation or what what people want to want to do with it. I'm get I mean get comfortable get comfortable having to prepare and understand like cooking a meal from start to, to finish or planning a menu from start to finish because if you have a little restaurant experience you're kind of just doing one department or like one one section online yes. and you're you're just doing kind of one one type of food or something so getting confident and comfortable with not just savory, but pastry and not just, um, you know, not just French classic French, but also, you know, other, you know, other types of cuisine and, and learning about, about dietary restrictions and, and all of that is kind of, you know, from a culinary point of view, that's, that's what you're gonna have to, those are going to be the biggest challenges you'll face. Jade, that is such great advice because you're right. You know, I, I, my, my start of my career on, in restaurants on land and you're right. It is quite 
um, a, a narrow field when you're in a restaurant, you're, you're dealing with whatever their cuisine is on the menu. And you're right. We, we have to know ev- basically everything. We need to know, like you said, dietary requirements. I- every person has different tastes. So maybe someone likes Moroccan food or somebody, you know, likes uh, African food or, I mean, it could be anything. And you really have to be comfortable just jumping into any cuisine. And like you said, pa- having pastry knowledge is is huge i mean you know you're a lot of the time you're making everything well a lot of things from scratch um and you just have to have so much food knowledge for sure yeah that's that's a big thing i mean a lot of it you kind of you learn along the way um but a great great resource i i found um is called the flavor bible and it's just got these charts where you pick an ingredient and it tells you what other ingredients go with that ingredient and what style of food it kind of fits under. And, and so that's, it was just a great thing to kind of like, okay, I've got spinach today, or I've got duck. What do, what do I do with duck? And that kind of helped with this, you know, what we have to deal with on Trevor, which is like, I need to make steak and Caesar salad or, you know, I've only got, <laughs> what, do, what do I got to, you know, and I got to come up with one last dinner because they decided they're not going to eat on shore today. So it, yeah, Jade, it's, Jade, uh, is that an, an app? that you you downloaded the flavor bible uh, it's it's just a book i don't think they have an app for it yet but it, it does come in an ebook ah. um, which is really helpful and just search and it's just there's a there's a couple chapters of descriptions about how to pair different flavors and and how and why that works and then there's just the the charts that kind of go through and give you kind of the main things that will pair with it but some unusual things or just depending on the season um you know, Christmas is a category, like what kind of foods are associated with Christmas. That's such a great idea. What what, what a smart person whoever came up with that book. Um, And for those out there that are thinking about this industry, I mean, that that would be the perfect book to have. And because it's an e-book, even better. That's fantastic. Great idea. Yeah, great, great resource. Yeah. Now, this is a question that I ask everybody, um, which is, if you were a charter guest and you could be on any kind of boat in any destination, what sort of boat would you like to be on and what destination? Uh, I've always wanted to do like a classic, not necessarily wooden hauled, but, you know, classic, big classic schooner with lots of varnish. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, yeah, just some classic sailboat down in the South Pacific, I think. Oh, that sounds amazing. <laughs> your sun's sitting over the water and you've got the sails going. Oh, that sounds incredible. Anywhere specifically in the South Pacific or just sailing around all over the place? Yeah, I haven't done any of it yet. So I'm pretty much, you know, open to, you know, wherever wherever the best spots the best spots are. Yeah, I'm a romantic at heart, so I love I love those old classic schooners. That sounds incredible. Well, I, I can definitely suggest um, sailing around Fiji. I, I was there recently and it is it is absolutely spectacular. Very untouched and um, just amazing people and beautiful water and stunning islands. It's really gorgeous. Yeah, I haven't heard a bad thing about it yet. So I'm, yeah, di- dying to go. That, but definitely yep. on, a- <laughs> <laughs> on a schooner. Yeah. Now, if um, people want to follow you on social media, what's the best way to do that? Um, so I have a, an Instagram for um, for my food photos. It's called Just Chef Jade. 
Um, all one word, all lowercase, no hyphens or anything. And that's just uh, just my Instagram. Um, but yeah, that's all I got. I've um, between you and Mel, and I think there's a few others that have kind of made cookbooks. I've always thought that that's kind of my next my next project. Um, guests are always asking for you know recipes or when are you going to make a cookbook? And so you know now that I've kind of getting my my feet wet again. Um, back on boats after a short hiatus I'm I think that's my next next project so stay tuned for that one. Oh, I you definitely need to make sure that you let us all know when that that's coming out because I'll be putting my hand up for one of those books um the food is going to be amazing and also I know the photos will be incredible because you are a great photographer so it's a double whammy yeah double whammy and my my captain as well is also a really good good photographer so I'm like oh great someone to take the take the photos that I can just <laughs> <laughs> sorry I was just going to say what what's on the agenda for the rest of your day I know it's uh evening there now is it uh just a nice chilled out evening or do you have plans yeah we're just um we're just hanging out we're it's going to be an early morning tomorrow so it's an early evening tonight we're just um yeah just visiting again there's you know other friends on on the dock and other boats just kind of catching up at the beginning of the beginning of the end of off season and um yeah it's, it's just good to good to catch up with old friends and and uh hang out and um yeah i'll be off sailing tomorrow well uh safe sailing on on the journey and i just want to say jade thank you so much you were amazing i i'm super excited for uh, everyone out there to hear you chatting it was incredible your story is amazing uh, thank you, Lisa. It was a pleasure to it was a pleasure to chat with you, and hopefully we'll uh, see you see you on on the water sometime soon. You will. You will definitely see me for sure. Have have a lovely evening. Yeah, you as well. Before I go, if you'd like to hear more information on today's podcast or you have any questions at all for me, you can contact me at my website, lisamead.com, L-I-S-A-M-E-A-D.com. Don't forget to subscribe or follow wherever you listen to your podcasts and you can even follow me at Chef Lisa Mead on Instagram. Until next time, I'm Chef Lisa Mead and you've been listening to Tales of a Luxury Yacht Chef.